1: Grandpa, Grandpa, guess what? My teacher said God isn't scientific because we can't see or test him.
2: Is that a fact? Did you ask your teacher how she knows?
1: Oh, Grandpa, it's in the science book, so it's got to be right.
2: Science books once taught about a science called phrenology, which said that the shape of your skull determined what kind of person you were. But that was wrong. So be careful about trusting everything you read in science books. But the book I do trust is the Bible, the Word of God, which has never been proven wrong. When I asked how your teacher knows that we can't test for God, I knew the answer was, she couldn't.
1: But how can we test God, Grandpa?
2: We can look around us and study His creation. Even most scientists agree that the universe had a beginning. And to have a beginning, there has to be a beginner. Something outside of the universe, existing before and possessing great intelligence and power. Doesn't that sound like a description of God?
1: It sure does.
2: And look at a host of other signs pointing towards God. DNA, the program contained in every one of our very cells, is a code written by God to build every part of us. Our eyes, which can detect several million colors, and automatically focus on things up close, and then switch to things far away. Our brains process a million or more messages a second, most of which we don't even have to think about. The Earth itself is positioned so perfectly that if it were a little closer to the sun, it would burn us up, or a little further away, and we'd freeze.
1: Well wow, those are really amazing.
2: There are many other amazing things in the universe which just had to have had a designer. But the best proof is someone we read about in the Bible. Do you know who that is?
1: It's just got to be Jesus.
2: Right you are. Jesus said he was God and he proved it with many miracles like feeding the 5,000, walking on water, making the blind to see, raising people from the dead. But the greatest miracle was his own resurrection from the dead. It is the reason you and I can know that one day we will join him in heaven when we leave this earth. And that's a fact.
3: For more information, go to sabsa.org. That is S-A-B-B-S-A dot Welcome to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams, all directors with the San Antonio Bible-Based Science Association. We have a great topic today here. Is God unscientific? You know, prior to the last century, science was defined by many people as trying to think God's thoughts after him. Science was the pursuit of trying to figure out what God did in this creation. How did God get thrown out? Carl, how has the definition of science changed over the past century?
4: Well, it was definitely an evolutionary thought to exclude anything that cannot be observed, tested, or Repeated in the laboratory. Of course, it's kind of strange that they would use that definition to exclude God, but they can include evolution, which can't be observed, tested, <laughs> or repeated in the in the laboratory. So um, it is kind of strange how this the definition for science has changed. And the scientific method, of course, observable, testable, repeatable. God's not going to be submitting himself for examination in any laboratory anytime soon. But we can test and repeat things to show that evolution is totally impossible. And that has been done over and over again. Yet, it is taught as absolute fact to our students. Something that is not fitting into the scientific method is taught as fact, whereas the God of the Bible, that we can see evidence of his creation all around us, is excluded because He doesn't submit for tests.
3: One thing close to this is we cannot see electrons. We can detect their movement. We can detect their existence through some scientific test, but we cannot see them. And (laughs) is that not what a whole lot of people do with God is they can't see him, but they can detect him. We can detect him through his word, through his actions and through our lives. Terry, what are your thoughts on this stuff?
4: Well,
1: as Dr. Carl was saying, science is based on observation, testing, repeatability, and falsifiability. And so, for science to be done, the universe has to be governed by laws. And those laws have to remain constant. Gravity has to work the same today as it worked yesterday, and it has to work the same tomorrow to, to even do science. And as a Bible believing Christian, I have a basis for this because Job thirty-eight thirty-three tells me that the universe is governed by laws, and this was written probably at least four thousand years ago. And then again in Jeremiah thirty-three. 25, God says he will not change those laws. So I have a basis for believing we can do science. I don't know what the basis is for someone who who doesn't believe the Bible, or at least they say they don't believe the Bible. You know, they believe that the universe came out of nothing for no reason. But at the same time, they believe that the laws of the universe exist and will remain constant.
3: I I, I don't know what their basis is. The basis to do science is that there are immutable laws. Otherwise, we couldn't rationally figure out what was going on. Also, the idea that you brought up about everything had a beginning. That is a concept from the Bible. It is a concept that we all know of. Everything that we know of has a beginning and an end. The construction of our house and the destruction of our house later.
4: (laughs) Closer, Closer to the destruction of our house
3: close to the destruction of our house that a baby being born and a person dying at the end of life everything we know of has a beginning and an end and aristotle had this concept a logical proof of an unmoved first mover that there was a person or a actor or a force which started everything going well who is that unmoved first mover it would be god it would be god because they cannot explain where the where everything came from out of nothing the bible has an answer for that Another fascinating part of all this is how this earth is so specially designed place. We are in just the right orbit so we don't fry or freeze. We have just the right atmosphere to protect us from the bad parts of solar radiation. We have the right mix of water and land to support our life systems Uh, and, and I've just touched on what would extend to be a list of over 200 things that make this planet a perfect cradle for life is that just pure accident or was it designed
1: well not only is it a perfect cradle for life but according to the Darwinist these conditions had to exist for 3 billion years you know we had to have enough solar radiation to have liquid water without one solar flare that would fry the planet over a 3 billion year time frame. Now, that plausible? You know, I, I think it's, it's a testimony to, to what God said after the flood about how the, the seasons would continue in planting and, and harvest, spring and summer. And we should be grateful to God. And, and these people that refuse to acknowledge God, they are just being totally ungrateful to God for what he does for us. And it's, it's like what Paul talks about in the first chapter of his letter to the Romans.
3: You are listening to Believing the Bible. This is Scott Lane with Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams. For more information, go to sabsa.org. Today, uh, we're talking about whether God is unscientific. You just mentioned the thing about keeping the planet almost in stasis so that, so that uh, life could develop. One of the problems they get into that is if evolution occurs everywhere, not only in terms of life, but in the terms of the solar system and the universe. Our sun, three and a half billion years ago, was supposedly much dimmer than it is today. And this was an extremely cold world in which the type of chemical reactions that would be needed for life couldn't even have occurred. Evolution has huge problems. And we are saying that God is unscientific, When the simple evolutionary theory is unscientific, uh, uh, this is really weird. How how do you even react to any of this stuff, Carl? Well,
4: the biggest thing, I I think, is, is the DNA code. DNA is so fantastic, so intricate, so... It's still not completely understood, not even close, yet it can hold more information per gram, if you will, than all the computers combined on this earth. So it, it is an amazing, something that happened just by chance, that a, uh, a system that can hold enormous amounts of, of uh, information, not only did it the, uh, the holder of information come about, but also the code that is in the information and the interpreter of that code just kind of popped into existence one day. And uh, one of our friends who uh, preaches uh, creation in the uh, Hispanic world said that he had an argument with an atheist and said, well, how do you, how do you uh, it, uh, explain the onset of life? And he was answered by the glib saying that, oh, life's a given. Uh, so that's the evolutionist answer to why we have life. Well, life's a given. It's just like oh you know the the, uh, the constant of the uh, of light is is a given and uh, we we can doubt that as well. So nothing is a given when it comes to life. Life just can't just pop into existence without something to do it. Something had to initiate life, and it just way too complex. I mean, I, I still don't understand solar complexity and and the astronomics, that's way beyond my understanding of of math and so forth. So I'm not even going to even try to compare the formation of the solar system versus the formation of of human life. But the human life I'm familiar with is so radically complex that there's absolutely no way that it could have started by chance. Not even the simplest of life forms Even a a, a parasitic virus is so complex, it could not have happened by chance. It just absolutely is impossible to the nth degree. I, I
3: will often get the question at the end of a seminar. What is the best evidence you know of for creation? And I will tell them DNA. I will tell them that the unbelievable complexity of that code, which is beyond the computer codes that we use, it's three-dimensional and beyond the computer codes that we use in our best computer mainframes today, shows design. And if there's a design, there's a designer. And unfortunately, this changed definition of science says that you cannot even consider that designer and that's a huge problem. Information for creation events around Bear County can always be found on our website's calendar page. For more information or to schedule a presentation, go to sabsa.org, that is S-A-B-B-S-A.org, or call 210-599-7240. When you go to our website, you can click on a link to our newsletters. You can also call 210-599-7240 to request having the newsletter emailed to you. Our website also has a link for contact information and on which you can order our newsletter. Also go to WhyShouldYouBelieve.com. That's WhyShouldYouBelieve.com. That's Terry's website containing articles looking at current day issues from a biblical perspective. Sabsa meets the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. now at Grady's Restaurant at the corner of San Pedro and Jackson Keller. There you will find biblical apologetics and creation science teaching found nowhere else in Bear County as well as the availability of hundreds of books and videos on these important subjects. If you missed any part of this show, you can listen to this show anytime by going to the AM630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas website. Click on KSLR Podcast, scroll down until you find Believing the Bible. Please join us again next Saturday for Believing the Bible. I'm Scott Lane, and for Terry Reed and Dr. Carl Williams, thanks for listening, and we hope you found today a reason to believe the Bible.